as we initiate our second session, Spirit, Soul, and Body, I really rejoice that you have taken the time to really invest in this vital topic. You know, it is so critical for us to enter into really what Jesus considers significant. I tell people all the time and that it is in, just so significant to major in the majors. You know, we, we need to major in, in the foundations of the faith. We need to major into what's going to cause our relationship with Jesus to be viable. And, and I believe that this subject of spirit, soul, and body is just incredibly important to God. You know, what is uh, really discouraging to me is, is that most Christians don't know the difference between their soul and their spirit. And you see, if you don't know the difference between your soul and your spirit, you're not going to enter in to walking in the viability of spirit life. You're not going to be able to discern what is soul and what is spirit and, and how to literally integrate this reality of, of discerning soul spirit in a way into your life that causes you to walk in victory. It is incredibly important. Now, in our first session, we emphasize the reality of just what our spirit consists of. Hallelujah. And we said our spirit is a result of a miracle and our spirit literally consists, hallelujah, of the virtue of God himself. And I want to uh, build on this foundation because it's it just so awesome. I, I tell you, there, to me, there's just nothing like it in the whole world, praise God. You know, when we enter in just to the re reality of this alone, I mean, it, it will change your life forever. Glory to Jesus. It'll just change your life forever. You know, so I want to reiterate the reality that you are a miracle. You know, in our first session, we shared the testimonies of, of David Hogan in the leper uh, and the creative miracle that caused the ears of the leper to appear in the, the nose and the fingers and the toes. And we shared of the miracle of uh, Marquita Kelton. Hallelujah. And receiving eyes and, and, you know, through the creative anointing of God. And I, I don't know what that does for you, but it, it really has changed my life forever. And when we understand that we are miracles of the living God, that even as the spirit of God uh, created, hallelujah, those eyes for Marquita, just like uh, according to the scripture, he created, hallelujah, Oh, glory to God, that ear that Peter had chopped off in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, the, the servant of those who came to really take Jesus to, to be crucified. If we enter into the reality that we are a miracle, I, I tell you, it, that changes our life. Because you see, you will testify of yourself regarding your being a testimony if you understand the testimony that you are. And when you enter into seeing the miracle that you really are, I tell you what, nobody can keep you from telling people about Jesus. Nobody can keep you from testifying of the blood that caused you, oh, hallelujah, that caused you to be the miracle that you are. Glory to God. Now, with that reality of you being a miracle, God having literally, through the blood of his son, through the working of the creative anointing of the Holy Spirit, according to John 3, 6 to 8, literally he took out the evil within you of which you were of that which you consisted the heart of stone he took out the heart of stone glory to God and put within you his very own spirit 
his very own life, his very own, hallelujah, oh, glory to God. I mean, he literally breathed into you. According to Genesis 2-7, John 20-22, and John 3-6-8, the very life within him, he breathed into you that you might literally be a child of the living God. You see, you will never walk in victory until you understand who you are, where you came from, and what you consist of. You, you, you just won't, praise God. But when you understand that you and I are not beings of flesh, but we are literally children of God, beings of impartation, God being the father of our spirits. I tell you, we'll never again be the same, praise God. We'll never again be the same because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And when you enter into the reality of who you are, I mean, it'll just, oh, glory to God. I don't believe that there's anything more transforming than entering into this reality. And it's all, praise God, to the glory and praise of the blood of Jesus that was shed for us and the power of the Holy Spirit that was manifest, uh, hallelujah, in the context of our becoming new creations in Christ. Hallelujah. Now, what I want to do is elaborate on the miracle that we are. And then I want to enter into, in, in this session, oh, glory to God, to the revelation of our being the temples uh, of the Holy Spirit of the revelation of the new wineskins of the new covenant and how that's translated into profound victory in our lives. So first of all, I want you to understand what you consist of. Hallelujah. You see, we know in the natural that we consist of uh, flesh and bone. We consist of uh, the, you know, the, that which literally makes up the natural man. We consist of cells. We, 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 can, we consist of, of flesh and, and bone. And that is the makeup of the natural man. And it causes us to live in this natural world. But our spirit, did you ever think, did you ever ask yourself the question, what is my spirit made up of? What does my spirit consist of? Hallelujah. I mean, I mean, what is the makeup of my spirit? And when you delve into the Word of God, you see unequivocally that your spirit consists of glory and virtue. Now someone says, wait, wait a second, wait a second. You're telling me that my spirit, my born-again spirit, consists of glory and virtue? I mean, how, how can you say that? That almost sounds blasphemous. That sounds too much. That sounds overboard fanatical. Well, it is fanatical. Glory to God, but it is scriptural. See, the Bible says that God Almighty is spirit. The Bible says that God, intrinsic to his spirit, is glory and virtue. Now, if God imparted who he is to us, are being made in his image and likeness, then we consist of that which he consists of. Wow. Glory to God. You see, you're not omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. So you don't consist of glory in the same measure that he does. Amen. Because there's only one God and you're surely not him. But you do consist, hallelujah, of the same, the same substance that God consists of, you consist of as well. You, so the Bible teaches us 
to be holy as he is holy. The Bible teaches us that, that, that our spirit, Atiyah, consists of glory, virtue, magnificence, preciousness, holiness, sexual innocence, sexual purity, faith, love. Hallelujah. You see, our spirit, intrinsic to our spirit, is the life and character of God. Hallelujah. Now, what we have to understand, though, is that because we are born again of incorruptible seed, hallelujah, according to 2 Peter 1, that our spirits are in a process of growth. Accordingly, we cannot function against the walls of the devil unless the life of God, through the Holy Spirit is, glory to God, transferred to our spirit and brought into our spirit that we might enter into the fullness of viability of a spirit life. Praise God. That's why the Bible says in Galatians 5, 16, and I know this is meaty, praise God, but you know, isn't it time for some meat? Glory to God. You know, I tell people all the time, I love giving the babies in the church, the milk of the word. But, you know, that's a good thing. I do that as a pastor. But my primary ministry as a teacher is to give the meat of the word. And again, I don't mind, you know, giving uh, baby Christians the milk of the word. But man, when you go into the spiritual nursery and you got to part somebody's mustache to get the bottle in, I mean, there's time. I mean, a decision's got to be made. I mean, they got to go on to the next level. It's time for the church to go on to meet, praise God. And I'll be honest with you, this is a series of that, that will bless you if you're a young Christian, but it also gets into the meat of God's word as well. Here's what excites me. All throughout the Psalms, glory to God, all throughout the Psalms, the, 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 the psalmist cries out, my glory rejoices. For example, in Psalm 16, I mean, it's throughout the Psalms, I mean, over and over again. He says, my glory rejoices. The scripture says that our heart, the word heart or the word spirit is synonymous with glory. Why does David say, why does he say my glory rejoices? Because he's, oh, hallelujah. He's speaking prophetically of the blood-bought church who's been born again and whose spirit, praise God, is created in the image and likeness of God. Our glory, hallelujah, rejoices. Because you see, the word heart, the word spirit, the word glory is synonymous in this context because we have been born of glory. We have been born of the incorruptible seed. We have been born of holiness. We have been born of love. We have been born of faith. We have been born of the life of God. Hallelujah. You see, in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says that in verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Glory to God. Now, now here, here's what I love so much. And this just excites me. You see, you will, oh, glory to God. You will eat of what you are made of. Someone says you are what you eat. But I'm saying that you eat what you are. <laughs> now, listen to me. I know this is strong. You see, your natural man is made of the dust of the earth. So he eats of that which is of the dust of the earth, vegetables and whatever comes from the earth, 
whatever has been planted in the earth. You, glory to God, are not only what you eat, you eat what you are. Your natural man is born of the dust of the earth, so it eats of that which is of the dust of the earth. Now, your solical man, your, your intellectual man, hallelujah. Now, that obviously is, is your, your intellect. What does your intellect eat of? It eats of that which it is, uh, consists of. It eats of knowledge. Your intellect eats of knowledge and it translates into intelligence. Just like your natural man eats of the dust of the earth of which it consists and it creates physical strength. Well, what are you born of? You are born, hallelujah, of spirit. You are born of glory. So your hallelujah, what you eat of is glory. Hallelujah. You see, God says, I will manifest my glory, not just so it might fill the air, but that you might eat of it. Praise God. Jesus put this way in John 6, 57. He says, even as the father has sent me and I live by eating of him. So he that eats of me will live by me. Wow. How do you eat of Jesus? Well, Jesus is the word of God. And the Bible says, in, see, John 6, 63, that his words are spirit. You are spirit. You eat of who you are. So you eat of that which is spirit. You eat of the word of God, which is spirit. You eat of worship, which is spirit. You eat of prayer, which is spirit. You eat of confessing the word, which is spirit. Glory to God. You eat of that which is spirit. Glory to God. My words are spirit and truth. John 6, 63. He who must worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. When you pray in the spirit, hallelujah, uh, Jude 20, you build yourself up praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the spirit, hallelujah, glory to God. I tell you, this just gets better and better and better. Now, what excites me is that we have no ability in ourselves to walk this walk. That's what the Bible says in Galatians 5, 16. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Now, what I want to communicate with you is this. This verse, I believe, is the key to Christianity. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Glory to God. Now, if you have a King James version of the Bible, that there is a lowercase s. And the reason that the King James does not capitalize most words is because in the original Greek, there is no capitalization. Really, there aren't, there is no, uh, there's no periods. There's no commas, punctuation marks. Really, there's not even any separations of words. But uh, it, it's because the Greek language is, is, is a language of context. That's what the Greeks prided themselves in. But that S is a capital S, praise God, in the context of God's word. It stands for the Holy Spirit. Now, what I want you to see is this. Only God knows. Only God knows. Hallelujah. How critical, how important this verse is. You see, here's the awesome thing. When you're born in the natural, glory to God, you're born with ears. You know, you're born with eyes. You are born with, with a mind that has the capacity to, you know, to, to garner uh, in, you know, intellectual growth. And here's what's exciting. When you're born again, your spirit man has ears. Your spirit man has eyes. 
Your spirit man has a mind. Hallelujah. Has hands. Has, your spirit man, oh, glory to God, is, is a, as an entity into itself. Glory to God. You see, your natural ears are only uh, an expression of your spirit ears. Your natural eyes are only an expression of your spiritual eyes. Oh, glory to God. Whatever you have in the physical, in the, in the context of your senses, that is only an exemplification of that which your spirit man consists of. Now, here's what I get so excited about. You know, Galatians 5, 16, as I, as I just said prior, is the key to us overcoming in this life. You know, so many Christians are in a place of struggle, and I'm going to quote a statistic that, that is sobering, but it needs to be verbalized because it's, it's truth. It's not a bad confession. It's simply a reality. And I'm out to change this reality. But it's a true statistic that over 80% of those who accept Christ at a crusade, like a Billy Graham crusade, who's an awesome man of God, hallelujah, or, a, uh, or accepts Christ in church, over 80% of those who accept Christ after three years are no longer even attending church or walking with Jesus in a viable way. Now, why is that? I believe that, that when they went forward, many of these people were sincere, but they never entered into learning how to walk in the Spirit. As a result, their flesh dominated them to the point that where it superseded their spirit. And out of frustration, out of discouragement, they simply stopped walking with Jesus. And the reason they stopped walking with Jesus very simply is because it didn't work. And most of the time it didn't work because they weren't not taught adequately of how to make it work or didn't enter into pursuing God to the place that they needed to to garner the wisdom to make it work. Now, I want you to understand that this verse is so powerful. Galatians 5, 16. Now, as a young man, I've shared this testimony many times that I was struggling with anger issues, all kind of issues. I was being overcome. And I would go out and just cry out to God. And I remember uh, being, uh, I grew up in East Pittsburgh and I was along the Allegheny River, uh, a beautiful setting and just pouring my heart out to God and saying, Lord, cause me to love you. Cause me to walk with you in integrity. Cause me to overcome. Cause me, Lord, to, to, to live the life that I need to live. And out of my spirit, I, I didn't even... I wasn't even familiar with this verse. I heard these words, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And I'll be honest with you, it frustrated me because I thought walking in the spirit was commensurate with living the life that you're supposed to live. And it is to some degree. So it's like, I thought, you know, here I am like a man lost in the woods, you know, for days, finally sees a sign, praise God, and gets excited because he's going to find his way out of the woods. And then he goes to the sign and the sign says, you're lost. You know, well, I don't need to know that I'm, I know that I'm lost. I don't need to hear that. So that, that's how I really uh, construed the, you know, what Jesus was saying. I, I thought he was saying, you know, you're lost. And, you know, finally I began to see. When he says, walk in the spirit, he's saying, walk not in your own strength, but walk in the strength 
of my spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Now, here's where it gets exciting because we're doing a series, Spirit, Soul, and Body. And one of the greatest truths, if not the greatest truth in Christianity is the reality of God Almighty having the legal right to now live inside your spirit. Wow. You see, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, mm, Jesus, there's so much here. Now, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, that means you're not just one with him, but now you're immersed in him. Praise God. And I'm not going to enter into all that today and speaking other tongues, but, uh, you know, that's, that's a, a subject for another time, but it's so powerful. But when I understand now that without him, I can do nothing. But with him, I can do all things. Now I'm going to enter in, praise God, to, to the principle of victory. Now someone says, if you have the life of God in your spirit, you're born again spirit. Why do you need the Holy Spirit? Well, the reason it really revolves around the principle of progression. Uh, you have the life of God in your spirit, but it is not, hallelujah, your spirit's not progressed to a way that you can overcome that which is coming against you. So you need the oil, the power of the Holy Spirit to fill your spirit, to life your spirit so you can through your spirit, express that life and, and control your body and overcome, praise God. And we're going to elaborate on, more on that as, as this session continues. So, But I don't think most of us realize just how significant, how glorious, how powerful it is to have the Holy Spirit himself in our spirits, one with our spirits. Just think about this. The God of all the universe is now inside you. Now, here's the key. The key is how do we get him out? You see, it's nice to know he's in us, but how do we get him? How does he translate into a practical reality of viability of the spirit-filled life? Glory to God. Well, that's what we want to look at today. To do that, I want you to go with me to Romans chapter 8. And I, I tell you, I just get so excited when I start teaching along these lines. Now, keep your finger in Romans 8 and, and look at Matthew 9, 17 or, or, or just, just listen to me. Matthew 9, 17. In this discourse, Jesus is communicating with the Pharisees and Sadducees that they're not going to be able to enter into the kingdom of God because they will not humble themselves in a way that, will, that would cause their traditions to be discarded so they could enter into being new wineskins. And because they continue to hold unto the old wineskins, the kingdom of God will not be a reality in their lives. But he says to those who will enter into the new birth, which is the new wineskin of God or the new covenant, these new wineskins, and hallelujah, which is the born-again spirit of men, will now contain God himself. I want you to think about this. 
think about God. Think about how holy God is. Wow. You see, Jesus is giving the example of wineskins. You know, wineskins were an were entities such that they could hold, obviously, different degrees of wine. And wine, when fermented in a strong way, I tell you what, you just couldn't put it in a carton because the carton would disintegrate very quickly. So these wineskins had to be able to withstand the pressure and the reality fermentation in the wine. So accordingly, that there were not many entities that could be adequate containers of the wine. But I want you to think of this. God Almighty, how holy is God? Well, he's infinitely holy. So what could contain God? I, I mean, in all honesty, I mean, if you had, uh, you know, a, a hundred ton of iron, I mean, you'd have to have something very powerful to contain it. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. There's nothing that can be an adequate analogy to how holy God is. Now, if you get this revelation, I, I tell you what, you, you, oh my, I tell you, you'll send me an extra offering. I mean, you 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 just get so excited about it. You you just get you just, you're gonna just send me an extra offering, for real. I mean, because it's worth this revelation is worthy of being blessed, really. I, I, oh my, I tell you what, you need to see this. I've never heard this preached like I'm gonna preach it right now. Your spirit, your born again spirit is so pure. Your born-again spirit consists of such glory that it is able to be a container of the living God in all of His glory, righteousness, and holiness. Wow. You see, God could never ever indwell man prior to the blood of Jesus giving the Holy Spirit a legal right to manifest born again spirit to man because there's there he would disintegrate flesh he, he, he could not he could come upon but he could never abide in a human being because of his holiness he could never reside Glory to God. You see, God wasn't looking for visitation. He was looking for habitation. And you see, God now has a legal right, but not just a legal right, an ability to abide, to inhabit man himself, born again man, because born again man consists of who he is, praise God. And because your spirit is like an unto God, God can, hallelujah, inhabit you in a way that he can inhabit nothing else, making you the very temple of the living God. Your spirit being the new wineskins of the new covenant. Wow. Do you see how important your born again spirit is? First of all, it is who you are. Glory to God. But second, it is a literal dwelling place for the living God. A dwelling place, a place of habitation. If that doesn't tell you the glory and the profound 
blessedness of your born-again spirit, I don't think anything else will. The Holy Spirit, listen to me. As I was preparing this uh, message, I had a vision of a dove who, of course, represents the Holy Spirit. A dove in his purity. And he was being sent out by Noah. And you see, the dove was looking for dry land. The dove was looking for dry land. He was looking for something to inhabit. He was looking for something to put his feet on. And when the dove did not come back, Noah knew that the waters had not subsided. The earth was not fit for habitation at this time. But when the dove brought back a branch from that which he landed on, no one knew that it was time for habitation. Can I tell you something? For 2,000 years, the dove was looking for a place to land. I said for 2,000 years, the dove was looking for a place to land. Yeah, glory to God. Thousands of years. Glory to God. Thousands of years. I said 2,000, I should have said 4,000 years. He was looking for a place to land. And there was no place to land because there's no blood-washed spirit. There was no entity locking under his holiness. There was nothing on the face of the earth. There was nothing that he could inhabit. Nothing. But the second that Jesus breathed into Oh, glory to God. The apostles in John 20, 22, he said, receive the Holy Ghost. He's saying, my spirit, my dove now has a place to land. You are the landing place of the Holy Ghost. You are the indwelling temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the ark of the living God. You are the habitation of the Holy Ghost himself. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. You see, if you're going to walk in spirit life, you've got to understand that you are made for spirit life. I'm going to say that again. If you are going to walk in spirit life, in the love of God, the faith of God, the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, the works of God, the discipline of God, the forgiveness of God, then you've got to understand that you're made for spirit life. How are you made for spirit life? You're made for spirit life because you've been given a spirit likened unto God himself. Being a being of impartation and you're made for spirit life because you, your spirit, is an adequate dwelling place for God Almighty himself. Praise God. All right. So when you understand that, it, it'll change your life forever. It puts you into a realm of glory that's infinitely above angels, infinitely above anything other than man himself. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Of course, it doesn't make you God. Hallelujah. It doesn't make you a little God, but it makes you a child of God relationally. Praise God. Now, what I want to enter into at this time is... Us breaking this down so that we can enter in practically, pragmatically, to walking this out. As I shared prior, it breaks my heart to understand how so many people fall away from the faith due to discouragement. 
and seeming inability when it doesn't have to be. If you're going to walk in the Spirit, to walk in the life of God, again, you need to understand the dynamics of who you are, of who He is, the third person of Trinity, and how, praise God, you are made, praise God, to be infused with His life. Now, I get so excited about this because there's just so much involved with the praise God. But I, I use this analogy and there's just so many scriptures on my heart. We're going to go back to mm, Jesus. Well, let's start out with Romans 8 and then I want to give you an analogy I think is going to bless you. And Romans 8, it's all about the person of the Holy Spirit having the ability to life our spirits. Glory to God. In Romans chapter 8, to start off in verses 1 and 2, it says that there's no longer any condemnation or bondage to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. See, those who walk after the flesh are those who are walking after a carnal mindset, who are walking in a religious mindset. A mindset of the flesh, a carnal mindset, a religious mindset, is a mindset that says, I can on my own enter into a place of life that is acceptable God in, to God in a way that he will allow me to enter into his presence for eternity because of the works that I've entered into in my flesh, in my solical being, through my mind, my emotions, my willpower, my personality. And I'm here to tell you this. There's no one that will enter into heaven without a born-again spirit because God is spirit. Because there's no soul, now listen to me, there's no soul that is holy. There is no soul that is alive unto God. There is no soul that can compare with the Spirit. Glory to God. We're going to get into this more, oh, hallelujah. But you need to understand, a man with a dead spirit, exalting his soul, will never enter into the presence of God, ever. Glory to God. Now, what I want you to see in Romans 8, there's so many powerful scriptures here. But when you go down to Romans chapter 8 and you get into uh, verse uh, 6, it says that the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life. So I'm going to give you a simple paradigm of victory that to help you walk in the spirit to fulfill Galatians 5.16. And that paradigm is simply uh, involves uh, just three variables. The first is this. We have got to see, hallelujah, who we are and who the Holy Spirit now is in relationship to us. Glory to God. And we need to get so excited about it. Praise God. We need to understand that according to 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. We need to understand that the God of the universe is now, oh, glory to God, is now, hallelujah, in us, one with us, amen, so his life can be translated to us so we can walk in the reality of the life of God rather than a life according to the flesh. Now, when I say the life of God, I'm talking about the life of God himself. 
For example, the faith of God. Mm, Jesus. The faith of God is the faith of God. You see, inside the Holy Spirit is the faith of God. Because he's God. How do we get the faith of God? Oh, hallelujah. Well, oh, Jesus. Mm, see, we enter into that faith. Translated, transfused. Mm, into our spirits. And that's the faith that we live out of. Uh, Romans 5.5 5 talks about us having the love of God shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost. And that's what we're going to get into. But so first of all, you've got to see the glory of your born-again spirit and the Holy Spirit in relation to your born-again spirit. Second, so first of all, you have to know of its reality. Second, you need to get so excited about it Think about it. Exalt it. I mean, magnify it. I, oh, glory to God. I mean, it, let's put it this way. If you had a son or a daughter, and let, let's just say that they were the smartest person on the face of the earth. They had an IQ of 300. What, what would you do? Would you just say, oh, praise the Lord? No, you'd say, my goodness, my son, my daughter has an IQ so high that they can be anything they want to. They can bring in billions of dollars to the kingdom. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to be excited about it. You're going to watch over it. You're going to pray it through. Glory to God. Oh, man, you're going to let them know what they have. You, oh, glory to God. You're going to spend money on them to get them to the best ed institutions of higher learning. You're Oh, man, you just don't say, yeah, that's good. No. One, you recognize it. Second, you get excited about it. You meditate on it. You magnify it. You exult in it. You rejoice in it. You make it the meditation of your heart. You make it the focus of your mind. Glory to God. Why? So this reality, praise God, that you have will enter into manifestation. And third, you, be, you enter into being a doer of the word. Praise God. For example, if, when that son or daughters, when they, when they feel like they, they can't do this uh, academically, you say, oh, you can. Certainly you can because I know you've got this ability. So we're going to finish this homework and we're going to get it done uh, in this way, in this fashion. Praise God. Now, I, I believe what I'm sharing with you is going to come to, into, into light just more and more as we go on. All right. Now, I want to share an analogy with you and then I want to come back to what we just talked about. I, you know, Simple is good. The Bible says that, you know. And um, glory to God, First Corinthians or Second Corinthians eleven. It says, "Let not the simplicity in Christ corrupt your minds." What that means is this: it means that Jesus doesn't want things to be so hard for us that you know that we can't understand it. He makes things simple so we can enter into it, so we can change our world and enter into intimacy with Him. Now, I want I want to give you a simple analogy. If, and I think all of us can relate to this at one time or another, whether you had a new car or an older car, and whether it was uh, due to a bad alternator or maybe you just left your lights on, your car battery went dead. Now, what's the provision? Well, if you're out, you know, somewhere, you just, and you know, it's 12 o'clock at night, you know, the, you can't go somewhere and buy a new car battery. The only provision you have is if you have jumper cables, and then you find another car whose battery is, is alive. Hallelujah. Now, what do you do when, when you find some, uh, a car like that and somebody avails that car into you? You connect 
your battery, which is dead, which has, which has inability in it, you connect it to the battery that has ability in it to the point where it can transfer amps to your battery to bring life into it so that you can start your car. Praise God. Here's what I want you to see. Your spirit is in some ways locking under that battery that is unable, but is able to be a receptor, praise God, of the battery that has life in it. The battery having life in it, to me, symbolizes the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So what do you need? You need to know, praise God, that your battery is a receptor. You need to know, praise God, that there is a battery that has so much life in it that it has, it has an ability to give life to your battery. And then you need to have cables so you can be connected, so your spirit can be connected to the Holy Spirit in, in the context of one battery representing your spirit, another battery representing the Holy Ghost. Now, here's what's exciting to me. You know, in Antioch, they began, the Bible says, to call them Christians. Now, Jesus represents the will of God. The name of Jesus, intrinsic to the name of Jesus, is Yahweh Jireh, the Lord Provider. Uh, Yahweh Rapha, you know, the Lord my healer. Yahweh Rohi, the Lord my uh, shepherd. Yahweh Nisi, the Lord my banner. Yahweh Sidkenu, the Lord who saves. Yahweh Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. Hallelujah. And, you know, Yahweh Shema, the Lord who manifests glory. I mean, every name that you can think of is intrinsic to the name of Jesus. Savior, deliverer, healer, manifester, victory, more than a conqueror, life, joy, peace, hallelujah. Every name that expresses the will of God is intrinsic to the name of Jesus. Now, the name Christ, of course, represents the person and power of the Holy Spirit that is given to manifest the name. Glory to God. Now they began to call them Christians at Antioch because the Christians were so connected with the anointing that the anointing was manifesting through them, hallelujah, because of the blood and because of the anointing that the works that Jesus did were now being done, hallelujah, being done by them. Wow. What about that? Well, it goes with John 14, 12. The works I do, the works I did, you should do also. And greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. I believe those greater works are salvation and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. Because at that time, Jesus could not pray with anybody to get born again. Could not pray with anybody to receive the baptism of the Spirit because the blood was not yet shed. He had not yet gone to the Father. All right. But what I want you to see is this. The key now, I said the first key is acknowledging and getting excited and putting your mind on the reality that God Almighty is in you so he can infuse his life into you that you might have victory. But I want you to see something else. There is that jumper cable, that connector. I'm here to tell you this. There are seven connectors that I believe that if you enter into them, they'll change your life forever. Let me get, let, let's just get, let's get these connectors. Oh, let's just get going with them. Praise God. 
The first connector is the Word of God. You see, the Word of God is necessary, hallelujah, to be a connection between you and the Holy Ghost. You see, you need to get the Word of God in your spirit so you can communicate with the Holy Spirit who when He is communicated with can then manifest what you have communicated to Him that you have need of. Woo, glory to God. I'm going to say that again. When you understand that the Word of God, when it gets in your spirit, it then becomes a communicator to the Holy Spirit, communicating that you have need of the life within Him to come into you. Hallelujah. And as you enter into confessing this Word, there is now connection that causes a flow of communication from your spirit to His and His power to yours that causes you to rise up, glory to God, and live as more than a conqueror and ruin this life according to the Word of God that you're believing, oh, glory to God, that you've entered into. Even the dominion that God speaks of in Romans 5. Whew, glory to God. Uh, and throughout the Word of God. Mm, a ruler in this life. I, I, oh, Jesus, hallelujah. See, a lot of Christians... Know that the Holy Spirit is by them, in them, and but they, they just have the idea that you know that somehow they don't read the word, they don't enter into the word of God, and somehow think that you know the life of the Holy Ghost is going to enter into their spirit by osmosis. It's not going to happen. For example, if if you know if you had a dead car battery, let's say if you had a battery of inability, but it was a great receptor of the amps. And you had somebody, you know, come up beside you, man, with a great car battery. I mean, revved up that could just, man, transfer its amps to you. It would do you no good, man, if you beeped your horn and shouted and got all excited. They beeped their horn and got excited. And then they just drove away. You would be as empty and have the inability that you had prior because there was no connection. Sure, that battery was beside you. Sure, there was honking, but there was no reality of translation of transference from that battery to yours. Until you enter in to the Word of God and get the Word of God in you, there will be no connection to your spirit, even though the Holy Spirit is there. Mm. Glory to God. You see, it just won't work unless there is a connection between the Holy Spirit and your spirit. Glory to God. All right. Now, what's the second connector? It's obedience. See, John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me, that's obedience, and my words abide in you, then you should ask what you will, and it'll be done unto you. You see, let's just say, for example, uh, you got the Word of God in you, and there's a connection between you and the Holy Spirit between him and you, and you enter into disobedience, I'm going to tell you something. Here's why the Word of God and obedience go together. If you enter into looking at pornography, you just disconnected the Word of God for, oh, Jesus. You just, mm, Jesus. You just disconnected yourself from the Holy Ghost. Surely you're still saved. Surely he's still in you. But the connection is not there. Wow. 
That's where again, John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me, obedience, and my words abide in you, then you should ask what you, and it should be done for you. There, because of the connection that exists, because of the word of God you put in you and the obedience that you have. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You see, the connector. What is the third connector? It's the connector of faith. Hallelujah. See, it's one thing to have the word of God in you and say, I know the word. But it's another thing to mix your faith with it. For example, if you have uh, the word of God in you and in you, do, you really know in your heart that man, you, 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 can, you have the ability to overcome sin. But if you do not express your faith, the word in you will not profit you not being mixed with faith. So you have to enter in to mixing your faith. The third connector is the mixing of faith. Glory to God. And that's in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. You see, in Numbers 13 and 14, and Hebrews 4 2 is in the context in Numbers 13 and 14, they had, I mean, they knew that God was big. But when they saw the giants, they let the giants disconnect them from God because they had faith. They had, they, they saw what God did. They walked through the Red Sea as of, on dry land, but they disconnected themselves by not mixing their faith. And they connected themselves up with the evil one. How many of you know you can connect yourself wrongly? But they disconnected themselves first and then connected themselves up with rebellion. So the third connection, praise God, I don't know what this does to you, but it excites me. Because when I see mm, Jesus, when I got these seven connectors connected, I'm going to walk in a way that defies the imagination. I am going to walk in a victory that's, that's beyond what you can even ask or think. I'm going to walk in doing the works that Jesus do. I'm going to cause cripples to walk and blind to see and deaf to hear the dead to be raised. Why? Not because of who I am, but because of who I'm connected with. You see, Christianity isn't about your ability. It's about you being a receptor of God's ability. Hallelujah. Through you connecting with God and then manifesting that connection. Glory to Jesus. Mm. Number four, praise God. Hallelujah is worship. Acts 16, I tell you what, it would have been so easy for Paul and Silas to be disconnected. I mean, they were beaten. They could have, see, we're going to get into this in another session, but you can disconnect your spirit from the Holy Spirit through unbelief, through fear, mm, through your minds. Oh, glory to God. It would have been so easy for Paul to turn to Silas and say, you know what? Man, I think God's let us down. Man, here we are, the only two people that were willing to risk their lives that come into Philippi. And man, here we are. We're, you know, we're in the inner prison. We're in our own feces and urine. Man, we, our hands are in these stocks. I, 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 we're a mockery of the devil. Man, let's just go to sleep and hope something's better in the morning. But, but see, that would have disconnected their spirit from the Holy Spirit. But instead of disconnecting, glory to God, they stayed connected, oh, glory to God, and they revved up their engine. Ha <laughs> ha. They revved it up and began to worship. And man, when they began to worship, 
The connection was so strong with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost shook that place. Revival came. The greatest church recorded in the New Testament was birthed. Instead of the Philippian jailer committing suicide, hallelujah, he was born again, him and his family. One of the greatest workings of God recorded in the Bible itself. Glory to Jesus. The fifth connector is the tithe. Now, some people, they say, yeah, I like that word connection. I don't know about that obedience connection so much. I like that faith connection some. I like that worship connection. But man, I don't know about this tithe and offering connection. Mm. Can I tell you something? You need to understand this. God is not going to be connected to a thief. I'm going to say that again. God is not going to be connected to a thief. The Bible says in Malachi 3, do not rob me. Do not act as a thief towards me through not giving your tithes and offerings. God is not going to be connected with a thief, but he will be connected with a giver. Why do you think God moved, glory to God, for Cornelius and his household? The Bible says his tithes, his alms were not before God. If you don't think that God's watching what you give, if you don't think he's affected by what you give, you read Acts chapter 10. God broke through to the Gentiles. Ooh, the, oh, Jesus. Breakthrough came through giving because the giving connection, hallelujah, I said the giving connection, I said the giving connection brought Cornelius into the kingdom brought a vision to him, brought Peter to him, brought the gospel to him, brought salvation to his house. Oh, glory to God. You need to be, oh, Jesus. I tell you, tithes and offerings can disconnect you from the anointing. It, the negation of tithes and offerings can disconnect you from the anointing. Oh, it will definitely impact. It will definitely negate anointing in a very profound way. Mm, the tithes and offering connection. Wow. Glory to Jesus. Ooh, hallelujah. What's the sixth connection? It's the witnessing connection. Glory to God. It's the witnessing connection. I tell you what, the difference between the Red Sea and the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea, everything it takes in, it hoards. It doesn't give out and it becomes a stench and a place of death. The Red Sea, what it gets in, it gives back out. Glory to God. You need to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, man, because you fail to go back to your first love and, and sharing the gospel, man, I'm going to disconnect you. Wow. You need to understand. You're not made just to be blessed. You're made to be blessed so you can be a giver. Deuteronomy 8, 18 says, I'll give you wisdom to give wealth. I, I will, in the book of Genesis with that, it says, I made you a blessing. I bless you to make you a blessing. I want to tell you something. You've got to share the gospel. It's not an option. It's a mandate. But I want to tell you something. It's not an obligation. It's a privilege. It's one of the major connections to the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost ever lives to bear witness of the blood of Jesus Christ. And he can only bear witness through you. And when you disconnect yourself out of the fear of rejection, out of lackadaisicalness, out of busyness, I'm going to tell you something. When you disconnect yourself from him, I guarantee you this, he's not going to be able to be connected with you like you're, he's supposed to. That's reality. Again, you don't believe it. You read the third chapter of Revelation. You need to understand these connections are so 
critical. You know, I, I was just with a, a young man and uh, who was, uh, he was in a motorcycle accident and they had different wires hooked up to his brain. And uh, every wire was acting as a stimulus to keep his brain functioning while he was in an induced coma. One of those wires taken away could bring, you know, could significantly hurt this young boy. Can I tell you something? He was connected, see, to this stimulus through these wires to live. You can only live through, oh, Jesus, through these connectors. And I tell you, you take one out, it'll affect you. You don't have them in, it will affect you. But when you got them in, oh, Jesus, the last connector is the connector of fellowship. I saved it for last because I see so often people going to a church not out of ordination, but out of their own preference. I'm going to go to this church because it's got uh, this youth group. Can I tell you something? You need to pray to God. God may have you go to a church that doesn't have a youth group and you get your kids in there and you start one. I'm going to this church because it's bigger. I'm going to this church because it has a nicer organ. I'm going to this church because I like its work. Can I tell you something? Mm, Jesus. It's a stench in the nostrils of God for you telling Jesus where you're going to go to church rather than letting him tell on you. First of all, you need to go to church of like light. You need to walk in the light that you've been given. So serious with God. Second, you don't tell God where you're going to go to church. You let him tell you. So many, many people, millions and millions are in the wrong church. Mm. Jesus, help us. Help us, Lord. Help us, please. There's so many people not even in church at all. They've been offended. Well, join the club. What gives you the right to disconnect yourself from the person of Jesus Christ because you've been offended by somebody in a local church? Who gave you that right? I thought you gave up your rights. When you come to Jesus, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 19, your body's not your own. It goes where Jesus tells it to go. Now, I'm real serious on this. I'm telling you now, I'm not going to candy coat this. I'm not going to play church. You will be judged mm, significantly regarding your submission to Jesus Christ, regarding the area of church. 2 Kings 2, you had to go through Bethel to get the anointing. You had to be connected to Bethel. You say, I thought I'm not going to avoid the judgment. I'm blood washed. I'm not going to be judged. Can I tell you something? There are two judgments. There's a judgment where glory to God, God passes over you because you got a born again spirit. But then there's the white throne judgment. You will be judged for what you've done every deed in the body. Mm. Come on. Surely, whatever you reap, you're going to sow. Jesus. Now I said all this to say this. Man alive, have you and I been positioned? Have you and I ever been positioned to walk in the life of God? I mean the faith of God himself. Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. doesn't say I just live by faith in God, I live by the faith of God. Wow. That's what being a Christian is. 
Romans 5, 5. The love of God Almighty, the same love that was in him that caused him to send his only begotten son has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. Jesus. 2 Timothy 1, 7. I've not been given a spirit of fear, but I've been given a spirit of power, love, and, and discipline. Glory to God. As I, am, or as I see the glory of my born-again spirit, it having the ability unlike any other entity on earth, to be a dwelling place for God, the Holy Ghost. And then I see that he loves me according to me being connected to him. Glory to God through the written word of God. Obedience, mixing my faith, praise God. Hallelujah. Worship, tithes and offerings, witnessing, and proper fellowship. I think my life will never again be the same. Because you see, now that I'm connected, ooh, hallelujah, his life is infused into me, praise God, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Let me read Philippians 4.13 to you. You see, so often we don't understand the glory of the connectors. So instead of running to them, we see them as vehicles of obligation and run away from them. The average Christian, I mean, the, the last Gallup survey, the average Christian spends less than 10 minutes a day in the Word of God. Wow. I tell you what, it takes me, it takes me a while to be connected. The Word of God has to be, get in you. Mm, Jesus, so you can be connected. Philippians 4.13, I'm going to read from the Amplified. I love it so much. It says that I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything. Through him, now listen to this, who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ-sufficiency. Mm. Glory to God. I got to share one more. I got to share one more connector. I got to share one more connector. Jude 20 says this. It says, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in other tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost, that you might, now listen to this, edify yourself. And in the Amplified, it says that you might charge yourself up like a car battery. Wow. Praying in other tongues is a connector. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And in the Greek, see, Penelope shared that translation. Charges you like a car battery. The exact analogy that we've been using here, praise God. Hallelujah. I tell you, there's nothing like the Spirit-filled life. There's nothing like it. As we close today, I, I want us to do a few things. I want us to see the glory of our born-again spirits. They are, again, the only entity on earth. Our born-again spirit is the only entity on earth that can be the wineskin of the new wine, the ark of the covenant, the temple of the Holy Ghost. If we only could understand the power of that. Second, I want us to understand 
that God himself is in us. Sometimes that is so pronounced, so profound, we kind of skip over it. But we need to enter into the fullness of it. Third, we need to understand the glory of the connectors. I started out by saying seven, but you know, I put in that eighth one because the Holy Ghost quickened me. He said, put in Jude 20. That's a connector in my divine wisdom. Glory to God. I wasn't going to enter into that today, but the Holy Ghost said, that's a connector. As you enter into these eight connectors, I guarantee you this. You will be able to communicate your heart, your petitions to the Holy Ghost. He will hear you and he will accordingly infuse his life into you. And as that infused life, glory to God, who is manifested, you will enter into the spirit-filled life. It will be, as it says in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ. You will do all things that he's commanded you to do. Oh, glory to God, with room to spare. You will enter in to the abundant life in a way that you've never dreamt of, never thought possible. Why? Why? Because you've entered into the gospel. The gospel, my friend, is not you doing the best you can. Hallelujah, to connect yourself to God. It's understanding. Mm, Jesus, that only a born-again spirit, only a born-again spirit can be infused into and only a born-again spirit can be connected to that it might be connected to the Holy Spirit. I tell you, I, I just feel like weeping right now because I believe we're on holy ground. I'm here to tell you that addiction does not have to dominate you. Inferiority, fear of rejection, unfruitfulness does not have to dominate you. Because as you are connected, his life will flow to you. Your petitions will flow to him and his life will flow to you and manifest accordingly. I want us to do something as we close. I want us just to thank God right now that we are the new wineskins of the new covenant. That we are one spirit. Mm, Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. And as these connectors are connected, the reality of his life flows into us so that it is crossed in us and not ourselves. The very faith of God, the very love of God, the very strength of God, wisdom of God, life of God, power of God, discipline of God. It's in us. Ooh. It becomes who we are when we give all the glory to Him. That, my friend, is the order of God. It cannot be duplicated by religion. It cannot be brought about by anything other than the blood of Jesus Christ 
and the person of the Holy Ghost in the Father's mm, wisdom. It is the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we just give you praise. We worship you. I, there's something in me that just has to worship God from my born-again spirit. There's something in me that has to worship God for the Holy Spirit. Mm, his, mm, Jesus, His willingness to be one with me. There's something in me that just has to worship God for the connectors. There's something in me that just has to cry out worthy, to cry out precious, to cry out Jesus, to cry out hallelujah, to cry out, oh my, things that my, that my English cannot articulate, to cry out how awesome is the gospel of Jesus Christ and to give myself to him. If you're listening to my voice right now and you've not esteemed, if you've not recognized these entities, give yourself to them. If you've not esteemed them, right now say, Jesus, I'm so sorry for belittling the gospel, for belittling the glory of my own spirit, my born-again spirit, and the reality of the Holy Spirit being in me. I'm so sorry. Now listen to me. If you have not entered in to cultivating these connectors, you've not entered into the Word like you know you should, fellowship, worship, praying in other tongues, witnessing, you've not entered into tithes and offerings, to mixing your faith, to obedience, you've not entered into these things, just right now, give yourself to Jesus. Say, Lord, say it right now. Say, Lord, I will never let myself be disconnected from you again. Daily, I commit myself to esteeming these connectors, immersing myself in them, that I might fully be connected to you, that your life might flow to me, and through me for the glory of God and the furtherance of the kingdom of Jesus. Now, I don't know what this does for you, but it does everything for me. It's my life, my meditation. I don't know about you, but again, I just got to read that verse. The mind set, see, on, on the spirit, the mind set on these things that we've talked about. Man, it's life. But the mindset on the flesh, negativity, I don't have what I need. This, God didn't come through, this, this, and that. It's death. I know about you. All the days of my life, I'm going to set my mind on the glory of who God's created me to be, even conformed to his image, through a born-again spirit, the glory of God himself being one with my spirit, the glory of these connectors, I'm going to get so excited about it, give myself so strongly to it that I'm going to be fanatical, radical. I'm going to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you're connected, the life within the vine gets in the branches. When you're connected, what's in him gets in you. When you're connected, 
that's when it works. When you're connected, that's when there's intimacy. That's when there's victory. That's when there's fruitfulness. When you're connected, that's when instead of being a statistic, this 85% that fall away, you can say the very life of Almighty God, His very faith, His very love, His very character, His very discipline abides in me. And surely I will never be disconnected. I will never be disconnected. I will enter in to receiving of Him more and more. Because the greater I give myself to the connectors, the greater the connection. And the greater the connection, the more the intimacy, the more the fruitfulness. And the more mm, that I live and for me to live is Jesus Christ.